Welcome to the Montgomery Community Church Podcast. Thank you so much for listening today. We hope this message encourages you and inspires you to grow deeper in your faith. If you'd like to learn more about MCC, you can visit our website at mcc.church. I'll never forget the phone call I got early in the morning from one of my closest friends. This was several years ago. Uh, You see, my friend, he had three children, two boys and a girl. They lived in the woods, a beautiful spot in the woods, and they had trees and trails. We would go there, and, you know, they'd ride motorcycles and all that stuff. Incredible family. Anyway, he called me early one morning to, to let me know that, you know, there was a storm, and he was awakened in the middle of the night by the sound of the wind. It was blowing something severe. And so not only was he awakened by the wind, he said, but Phil, he said, I don't know, you know what you're going to think of this, but I mean, I was awakened really by the sound of God's voice. I'm not sure I've ever heard him before, but it was like he was speaking to me. And I heard this voice saying, get up, go to your daughter's room, get her out of that room right now. And so I got up, I ran to her room, I opened the door there, and, and she was still sleeping, and I lifted her out of bed And just as I was rushing her out of the doorway into the hallway, a large tree crashed into our house directly over her bed and then crashed into the rest of the house. There's no pun intended, but I'm just blown away by the whole thing. He didn't know what to think. He was thankful. And as I thought about that, as I thought about that encounter, I I, I thought about God speaking to him. and, And my friend, of course, he knows God. I mean, if you were to meet him, many people have, they walk away thinking, you know, I just kind of met Jesus. Uh, Just an amazing guy. And when we know God, we'll often sometimes hear God. My friend did. But I thought about the wind. I thought about that tree, and I thought about us. From a spiritual sense, you know, what will cause us to be rooted? What helps us to be so rooted in our faith that when the wind blows, it doesn't knock us over. And as you know, in our culture today, the wind is not only blowing in one direction, it is blowing from several different directions at the same time. So how do we remain rooted? Rooted in our faith. Well, when Jesus showed up on the scene back in the first century, he walked into a Roman-ruled world that was far removed from any notion of God. I mean, for them, they had many gods, one of them being the Roman emperor himself. Now, the Romans ruled over various groups of people, one of them being the Jewish people. And the Jewish people, they had a long history of knowing only one God, worshiping only one God, and loving only one God. In fact, to encounter after encounter, story after story in the Old Testament, they knew what it was like to experience God. And they had experienced God in Egypt. They had experienced God crossing the Red Sea. They'd experienced God at the foot of the mountain. They'd experienced God in the desert. And by the time Jesus showed up on the scene, they had long experienced God in the temple. And this is where it really boils down to us. Because God longs for us to experience him. I mean, that's why we're gathered in this room right now. That's why we're watching online, to experience God. I think, but just like us, the Jewish people back then, they loved that, but they longed for something more. I mean, after they experienced God, they wanted to go deeper with him. And God wanted that too. 
It's why scripture says, blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. They will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. Jesus Christ came so that we would bear fruit. He came that we would have life. And it's why he issued this call to come follow me. You see, Jesus issued this call in order to root people in the faith. Because while a seed is planted, most certainly whenever we experience God, Jesus invites us to journey with him so that our roots go down deep. And so as one person after another began following Jesus, they began to realize that the relationship with God wasn't supposed to be a personal or private thing. They were to follow Jesus together so that they could grow together. Grow together with Jesus, grow together as disciples, grow together as worshipers of God. And so through every step, every encounter, every lesson, it was like Jesus was saying, I want you to follow me. Find forgiveness from me. Walk with me. Grow in me to become worshipers of God so that I can help you to discover your purpose. In fact, Jesus told them back then that as a result of following him and eventually being filled by his spirit, they would live on purpose. In fact, he says, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. So friends, whenever we discover our purpose, we're able to live on purpose as we engage our world, as we engage our friends, our neighbors, our families with the love of Jesus Christ. In fact, whenever Christ's love reaches out through us and touches the life of another, that's the moment when a miracle can occur. People find Jesus. They experience God's forgiveness. Marriages are healed. Addictions are broken. Lives are set free. And God's kingdom advances. Ultimately, we live out our purpose so that we can make an impact for the glory of God. And how do we make that kind of impact? Well, by living out the vision that Christ declared to his apostles and to us. He said, but you will receive power. When the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So as a result of Christ's disciples living out Christ's command, Christ's church spread like wildfire. And in order to be part of that movement, the disciples didn't live for themselves. They didn't live for their own success. They didn't live for today. They didn't live for what was convenient. They didn't live for what was comfortable. The disciples, you see, chose to live for more, by making more and more disciples of Jesus. If you want to learn more about what I'm talking about right now, this coming Thursday, we're launching our brand new website that's talking all about this at mcc.church. Because you see, as church leadership, we have said, you know what, in order to live for more, in order to embrace all that God has for us, every person really needs to experience God, grow together, discover then their purpose, and then make an impact. Friends, this was true for the apostles back then, and it's true for us. Now, speaking of the apostles, remember where we left them last weekend? They had heard these words of Jesus, right? You're going to go be empowered by the Spirit. You're going to go and be my witnesses. And we learned that they were. In fact, they spread the gospel. They advanced the kingdom of God. In fact, we learned that the more and more they used the name of Jesus, the more and more Christianity spread. And the more they used the name of Jesus, the more trouble they got themselves into. 
the religious leaders were not pleased with any of this. And as a result, the apostles were threatened, they were imprisoned, they, were, they faced persecution, but that didn't stop them because they wanted to live for more. And as a result, what did they do next? Well, the Bible said they held a prayer meeting. They joined together with one another and they prayed to the living God. So before we talk more about that, let us do the same. Will you join me in prayer? Dear Father, we thank you for your incredible love. We thank you for the call that you have placed on us. We thank you that uh, you love us despite us. And we thank you, Lord, that you are moving in our midst. And Lord, I want to pray for each person here. You know where they are at with you. Lord, I pray through this message and through the days that follow that you will show them what their next step with you looks like. And Lord, I pray for the parents who are here because we live in difficult times facing so many changes at school and policies and, and all the things going on with COVID. It puts parents in a rough spot. So I pray, Lord, that you would speak wisdom to them and that the more they would seek you, the more that they would find you, the more they would hear from you. And Lord, that they could lead their families in a way that uh, brings life and brings unity. Lord, I pray for our church members, those who have lost family uh, throughout this season and those who are fighting COVID right now. Lord, we know you are with them where they are, but make yourself known. Show them your grace, your power, your presence in a way they've never experienced before. Remind them not only that you are there, but that you are moving in their midst. And Lord, we want to pray for a mother right here at Village Green, one of our partner communities that we serve. This mother who died this past week, leaving four children behind. And Lord, we pray for those children, Lord, that you would use us, members of this church, to surround them and fold them and show them that they do have a loving father. He's the very God who made them and who loves them. Lord, we bring all these things to you, trusting you, knowing you're at work, and knowing you are God. We pray all these things in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. So in light of our prayer, let me ask you a question. How do you pray? What does your prayer life look like? I mean, do you pray sporadic prayers? You pray here and there, whenever you happen to think about it, you'll pray. Do you pray simple prayers? Like, for example, you, you may not be known for your big theological words when you pray, but you pray simply from your heart to God, and it's meaningful and it's authentic. Or do you pray strategic prayers? Prayers that say, God, I want to join you where you are moving. Here's what I think. I think that for many Christians, no matter how they pray, often our prayers are too small. And I think here's why, because in the presence of God's greatness, if we don't know him well, well then we can be quite unsure of ourselves as we approach him. And that makes us hesitant regarding any request we might make to God, but it also makes us hesitant regarding any statement we'll make to others about how we think God might move. So in a nutshell, we'll settle for small prayers, or some people call them Ricky Bobby prayers, that look something like this. Dear Lord, baby Jesus, or as our brothers to the south call you, Jesus, 
We thank you so much for this bountiful harvest of Domino's, KFC, and the always delicious Taco Bell. I just want to take time to say thank you for my family, my two beautiful, beautiful, handsome, striking sons, Walker and Texas Ranger, or TR as we call them. Dear Lord Baby Jesus, we also thank you for my wife's father, Chip. We hope that you can use your Baby Jesus powers to heal him and his horrible leg. And it smells terrible and the dogs are always mm. bothering with it. Mm. So what kind of prayers do you pray? When I think of a, a simple prayer and yet a bold prayer, I think of Rebecca. Many people would call what happened to Rebecca a few years ago a tragedy. They would. I mean, she was simply serving others, helping to meet the needs of others while a box overhead dropped directly upon her and, and basically crushed her. It was very, very heavy. And while those on the scene knew that she had been injured, they really didn't know how badly it was. And, and yet, I, I remember visiting her very shortly after this happened and her family there in the hospital. And it was there that the doctors had run their tests, they had given their diagnosis, that due to Rebecca's highly damaged spine, they said Rebecca would never walk again. They said she would need constant care. It would be highly unlikely she'd ever be able to live independently. Like I said, many would call what happened to Rebecca a tragedy. And yet, you know what? When I visited her at her bedside that day, she didn't view things that way. She knew what the doctor said, and yet she looked at me and she said, Phil, I'm going to walk again. I'm going to walk again. And I'm going to be praying that that's actually going to happen. Now, others in the room heard her say that, and I heard her say that, and I think like me, people in the room thought, well, those are really nice, hopeful words, but maybe they're a bit naive, if we're going to be honest. And that even when the events of the next year or two didn't seem to match up with what Rebecca kept saying, she kept that positive attitude, her faith in God. And every single weekend, she'd roll her wheelchair out there in the lobby directly up to me, and I would say, you know what, Rebecca, you know that your smile changes my world. And she would say, I know. And then she would say, Phil, I'm going to walk again. And so you praying about that? She said, absolutely, I am. Over and over again, every single weekend there in the lobby, you might have seen me talking to her. Well, I'll never forget one Sunday that her, her father, Bill, came up to me. And he said, you know what, Phil, I, I wouldn't believe it if I saw it with my own eyes. I said, well, what are you talking about? He said, well, with the help of like three or four people, they can get Rebecca up to stand, and she can actually stand there for a couple seconds, like by herself. I mean, that wasn't supposed to be possible. Well, as time kept kind of marching forward, Rebecca would see me in the lobby. She'd give me the latest update, the latest report, and with that big smile on her face, she would say, you know what? I keep praying. I'm going to walk again. Well, just in case you're wondering, here is how Rebecca is doing right now. Thank you for I've seen that. And I can sort of drive by It's pretty amazing. But we're not done yet. Take a look. Okay. Perfect, right on. Left one. Yeah. Agreed. 
too. It's the greatness of our God. God at work. She kept saying, I'm going to walk again. And she keeps walking and she keeps getting better at it. And God keeps moving in her life. You see, after many conversations with Rebecca, I've learned that while many would say her prayers are simple, they are bold. And she kept praying really the kind of prayers that we're all called to pray. In fact, the writer of Hebrews says it this way, let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. And friends, that takes us full circle back to that prayer meeting that we talked about, back to the very first prayer of the very first church. Earlier, I asked you how you pray. Let's take a look at how they prayed. Because I think that if we knew God like they did, I think if we prayed to God like they first prayed, I think we might experience the move of God as well. And so how did they pray? Well, with all the pressure around them, with all the threats coming their way, with their friends gathered in one place, they raised their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, you are God who made the heaven and the earth and the sea. Here lies the first lesson. I can pray boldly when I know God is creator of the heavens and the earth. That God made it all, he owns it all, and he is in control of it all. That he's the creator of the heavens and the earth. In fact, the very first words in the Bible state it this way. In the beginning, God. See, the Bible doesn't argue for God's existence. It actually starts with God's existence. And then we see God speaking everything into existence. I mean, every plant, every bird, every tree, every ocean, every river, every sunrise, every mountaintop was created by him and for our enjoyment. The psalmist wrote it this way, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. Friends, he designed this world to reflect his glory. And here's the thing, if God is big enough to create this huge universe, then he is strong enough to meet your need. Big or small, God will answer them all in his way and in his time. And here's the good news. Since God speaks out of love and acts out of love and creates out of love, we can approach him boldly because he loves us. Do you believe that? Are you embracing that? Because starting with God as creator, the apostles continued. They said, they raised their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, you are God who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that is in them. The word all that means you, that means me. And when it comes to human beings, we are God's crowning achievement. And that's why I can pray boldly when I know God uniquely made me, loves me, and knows what is best for me. It's why in the Bible, God tells us, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. As it pertains to you, it's like God is saying, I imagined you. I designed you. I gave you breath. I gave your life a purpose. I love you. Jesus said, you know, indeed, the very hairs of your head are all numbered. 
So God basically knows then every detail of who you are, even when you haven't figured it all out yet. In fact, God even reminds us of the future he has for us when he declared, I have called you by name, you are mine. And that means if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you have been forgiven by God, you are his. Do you live that way? Do you believe it? Do you receive that? Because it's true. See, he's called us for a purpose, and I think that's amazing because because God knows us fully and yet loves us completely. The psalmist would write about it. He said, you have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. You hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. You see, the good news is that we can approach God boldly in prayer because God not only loves us, he longs to hear us. And this is something that Rebecca kept in mind every day of her difficult journey. Are you? Are you keeping that in mind? I ask because when you take a look at the first chapters of the book of Genesis, we see that after Adam and Eve chose to sin, we see that God not only wanted to hear them, but out of his love, he he kept pursuing them. I mean, if you look carefully, he he lets them know that while there's going to be consequences for their actions, he is still going to be actively pursuing them day after day out of his love for them. And friends, the same holds true for us. One pastor wrote it this way. He said, before man existed, God acted. Before man stirs himself to see God, God sought man. In the Bible, we do not see man groping after God. We see God reaching after man. And friends, this applies, this truth applies, no matter what others might do to try and stop him. That's why they continue to pray. Why did the nations rage and the people plot vain things? The kings of the earth took their stand, and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. For truly against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, were gathered together to do whatever your hand and your purpose determined before to be done. And friends, that's huge. And this is something I think that many Christians either just kind of completely miss or overlook or don't understand. But here's the thing. I can pray boldly when I know God uses both good and bad to accomplish his perfect will. We often get stuck in what we deem to be bad. God is working through it. And that's why when we are blessed, we can trust him. When we are persecuted, we can trust him. When we're under cultural pressure, we can trust him. When we're falsely accused, we can trust him. It's why when the market is up, we can trust him. And when the market falls, we can trust him. It's why when we get a bad diagnosis, we can trust him. And when he calls us to witness faithfully, we can trust him. And when the way is uncertain, we can trust him, friends. No matter what comes our way, we know that he is way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light of the darkness. My God, that is who you are. And so even when I don't see it, you're working. And even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop. You never stop working. No, you never stop. You never stop working. Friends, this is the greatness of our God. Do you believe it? Do you receive it? Do you live in it? Because this is who he is. 
And Rebecca kept this in mind every single day of her difficult journey. Are you doing that? Because God uses both good and bad in order to accomplish his perfect will. And it's with this knowledge in mind then that the apostles continued their prayer. And they said, now Lord, consider their threats. Now we're talking about what others deem to, you know, they're gonna do bad in some way to them or to us. Now Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Friends, I don't want you to miss this, especially in light of our culture. I can pray boldly when I know God will accomplish greater things through me, no matter what others try to do to me. See, friends, even though our culture is increasingly against Christianity, even though your workplace might set limits on how you can witness or what you can say, even though a bill in Congress might threaten religious freedom, and even though certain ideologies might, in society might try to brand Christians as somehow being the enemy, we can pray boldly because we know that God will accomplish greater things through us despite what others try to do to us. And when I think about that truth, I think about Sod. I told you about him some years ago. I've only shared the story once and just part of the story. But Saad, uh, he was a four-star general in Saddam Hussein's army. He found himself here in America. Actually, he snuck his way here to America and then eventually found home in Lansing, Michigan, where I used to, to, to minister. Now, if you know my wife, Carol, at all, she's always in the community, meeting people, helping to meet different needs, and it was then that she came across Saad. Saad was a Muslim from birth, and of course, he had read the Quran, and he knew about Jesus as it's described, or he is described in the Quran, but Saad wanted to know more. He just felt like there had to be more to Jesus than what the Quran said. And so he asked my wife, Carol, can someone tell me about Jesus? And so a couple days later, I find myself sitting in Saad's living room talking about Jesus. Now, we had a language barrier for sure, and so I wasn't sure every word was getting through. Uh, Saad, to make things like even more problematic, he was drunk. And so, I mean, he's acting out, he's yelling at points, screaming at points. Honestly, he's hitting me, like slugging me. And yet I kept sitting there, we're talking about Jesus. And I kept coming back. And it seemed, even though there was a language barrier, it seemed that he was understanding more and more. And I felt like maybe he was at the point to maybe make the decision to follow. But I wasn't really sure. And so I asked this guy from our church, whose name was, of all things, Muhammad. And Muhammad had come from the Middle East as well. He had come to faith in Jesus Christ. And Muhammad came along with me to Saad's house, and he served as the interpreter and it was then that we realized that Saad did understand and he wanted to follow Jesus. He prayed that prayer. Well, shortly after that, uh, one of his distant relatives who lived in Detroit died. And so Saad traveled there to attend this funeral. And as he recounted this to me, this visit to this funeral, he, he told me a bit of what happened there. He said, you know, in every funeral, I'm sure in your funerals, you have things you always say. In a, in a Muslim funeral, there are prayers that every Muslim is to pray. And as they prayed those words, I would not speak them because I follow Jesus now. He said, there was a point in the service where everyone was to turn towards Mecca and I would not turn. 
because I follow Jesus now. And after the funeral was over, uh, there were people who had noticed Saad and what he wasn't doing, and they were pretty ticked off. And they came up to him in a group, and they wanted to know why he wasn't respecting them and respecting the Muslim faith. And he looked at them, and he said, I follow Jesus now. And then he showed them the cross around his neck. The group eventually walked away, but there was one remaining. They said, can you tell me more about Jesus? Friends, in the midst of pressure, we need not fear because God will accomplish greater things through us, no matter what others try to do to us. And you see, Saad, if you were to meet him, and I haven't seen him since I moved here, but he's a simple man. He really is. And yet God used him greatly. Paul wrote about this. He said, brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus who has become for us wisdom from God. That is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. So remember, friends, because he is God, he will use the corrupt plans devised by our culture combined with our humility, weakness, and obedience to accomplish greater things than we could possibly imagine. This is the greatness of our God. So even when we don't see it, he's working. And even when we don't feel it, he's working because he never stops. He never stops working. No, he never stops. He never stops working. This is the greatness of our God. And the apostles learned this soon enough. That's why scripture says, after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. They approached God boldly in prayer, and as a result, they spoke the word of God boldly to others. And if you read the remaining verses that follow, we see the result. As a result of this bold speaking, they encountered nothing but unity in the church, the spreading of the gospel, the meeting needs of those who were hurting, and sharing what they possessed with one another. You see, friends, when I know God, I will approach him boldly and proclaim him boldly. This is the greatness of our God. So right now where you're at here in this place and online, if you could just close your eyes right now. And I'd like for you to identify the struggle you're facing. It might be a difficult situation at work. Some tension in your own family. It might be a physical setback. Or maybe you're dealing with bitterness in your life. Or maybe it's a matter of faith that you're struggling to understand. If you would right now, in a sense, quietly just lay that before God. Say, God, I believe in you. And while I don't fully understand it, thank you for loving me. 
You know my struggle, Lord. Lord, as I seek you, help me to find you that I might know you through and through. This is the prayer of my heart. That I will trust you in the midst of this situation. Because I know you are more than able. You're the God who made me. Who loves me. Who pursues me. Who's given me life and purpose. Thank you, God. So despite what I'm facing, Lord, I lay this before you now. And all I want to do is to know you more, to trust you more. Because God, I know that, well, I don't see it, and sometimes I don't feel it. I know you. I know you are God, and I know that all things are possible with you. Thanks for listening. You can stay connected throughout the week by following Montgomery Community Church on Facebook and Instagram. For more information about MCC, visit our website at mcc.church.